0: What is up, guys? Welcome to the show. Happy Monday. I'm your host, Amal Epinobi. Today, we're going to be just traveling all across the internet in clown world to talk about the different stories that are trending today, things that people are piping up about, they have certain opinions about. I can already see you guys going back and forth over the sexuality of Billie Eilish. (laughs) Some people saying, I thought she was straight. Is she gay? Is she bi? Turns out, the story is not as crazy as it has been made out to be. We're going to get into that. We're also going to talk about dating in current day and age, 2023, what that's like, some videos that have been coming up on the internet and trending, talking about trans athletes, as we have yet another win for biological men in a woman's category. But before we get to all that, we have Taylor in
1: Nashville. (laughs) Yes, you had to bring in the millennial expert on Gen Z uh, performers and their sexuality, so happy to be here, guys, on this wonderful Monday.
0: Yeah, today's show is going to be current, baby. We got the news today that the word of 2023, which I believe Oxford Dictionary or something like that does every single year, is riz. So riz is the word Mm. of 2023. For those of you who don't know what that means, we need to catch you up a little bit. Riz is the shortening of charisma, and if you riz somebody up, that means, you know, you have charm, you have style. You can you can get a woman or if you're a woman who has riz you can get a man or I guess since we're talking about Sexuality, it's a free-for-all we can all date whoever we want uh, and all are welcome here I guess I should put that disclaimer out there. What other news did we get today? Uh, George Santos? Who's recently been expelled from Congress is now gonna be on Z-Way's show? So <laughs> I just don't know what's going on guys Taylor and I were literally just going through all our different apps and stuff like looking for the news of the day and thinking just I don't know what's going on, uh, but we're going to get together and we're going to talk about it. So join us for this journey. The first news story that I saw today that apparently was catching a lot of eyes, a lot of people had something to say, was Billie Eilish apparently coming out. Now, much like many of you, I had the reaction of coming out. Didn't we all know that this girl likes girls? I mean, just take a look at Billie Eilish. Take a look at how she dresses, how she acts, her demeanor. I know she's gotten famous for dating numerous men, but she gives off, at at the very least, bisexual vibes. So I had to look into the story. I'm like, what do you mean Billie Eilish is coming out? First of all, I thought this was common knowledge. If it wasn't common knowledge, where's the curveball in this story? Apparently, Billie Eilish was getting interviewed uh, during a red carpet event by Variety where this moment took place, and we'll be able to watch, and you guys can react and tell me how you feel about it. I think this has been made out to be bigger than it actually is, but let's see. You felt like for a long time, women didn't like you. And when that came out, all the women were like, no, we love her. I know. How did that reception feel? Has your mind changed a little bit? I'm still scared of them, but I think they're pretty. (laughs) 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 Billy, did you mean mean to come out in the story? Girl. (laughs) (laughs) No, I didn't, but I kind of thought, wasn't it obvious? Like it's kind of been, I just, I didn't realize people didn't know, so. We need to get to a point where you don't even have to come out, so. I, I I just don't really believe in it. I'm just like, why can't we just exist? I've been doing this for a long time and I just didn't talk about it, whoops. Okay, so that's the clip and that is apparently Billie Eilish coming out, which I agree with the interviewer when she's saying like, at some point we need to get to a time where there's no such thing as like coming out anymore aren't we kind of already there? Isn't like 25% of Gen Z saying that they identify as something on LGBTQ and like that they are exploring their gender and their sexuality? I think the closet is glass for the most part with most of these people. Like, what's, what's coming out at this
1: point? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's almost more surprising whenever someone's just straight at this point. Like, for real. I, the, the fact that this is a story is kind of mind-blowing to me because in my mind, 2023, it, it isn't some great act of – of newsworthy, you know, front page headlines when someone comes out when they're famous. And it's not necessarily even that like of a courageous act, you know, you're gonna be celebrated and everyone's gonna be really excited about it. So it's not like this, you know, giant story in my mind. So I don't know, it's interesting.
0: Yeah, I just can't imagine there being an uproar over anybody coming out as gay or lesbian or bi anymore. Maybe with like trans, if you had a celebrity that you knew as being cis, if that's what we're gonna call it these days, whatever. And they came out and said, you know, I'm gonna to transition to be a woman or a man. I think that would have some shock value to it. But being gay or lesbian or bi, just be so for real right now. It doesn't have the... Doesn't have the je ne sais quoi. <laughs> <What's that?
1: laughs> also, like with bi, what does that even mean? Like, wasn't there some kind of survey we reacted to recently where it was like some giant percentage of uh, women who identify as bi have only ever like been physical with males?
0: Yeah, dude, or something you, like that? you, y'all know my theory on this, and it's not for all people who identify as bisexual. I want to go ahead and preface it as that. I think a lot of women come out as bisexual because it's like. Ooh, I'm so cool. I experiment. I'd be willing to, you know, like, I'll kiss a girl at a club or something like that. And you know, if you look at their dating history and who they go on to date, it's going to be guys. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying that's all bisexual people, but I think a lot of women utilize the bisexual label as just a means of being a little bit like, she's quirky. She's not like other girls. She's a little unique. But we'll check in on, on Billie Eilish. I'm assuming she has dated girls at some point because a lot of people were looking at this story and saying, this is totally obvious to me. And maybe that's based off the way she dressed, the vibe that she gives off, or her, her dating history. But my immediate thought was, who cares? Who cares? Because at this well, that's point, that's
1: what I put in this oh, sorry. No, that's no, what I good. put in the in a survey in the chat for you guys. I said, Did you already assume Billie Eilish was by? Forty six percent say yes, nine percent say no, and forty six percent say never thought about it. And I have to admit, I'm in the never thought about it camp.
0: <laughs> and I think most people are going to be. I don't know. I feel like we we try to put sexuality at the forefront of things. Like, there's this great struggle amongst all the different sexual orientations when, in reality, I don't think it's that big of a deal anymore. And on Wednesday for the live show, make sure you are here. We are going to be reacting to the newest Jubilee Middle Ground, which is conservative lesbians versus progressive lesbians. And I think one of the through lines in that episode is going to be what are you still fighting for? Like, what is the next bit of progress that you need as a lesbian or a gay or a bi person? Because it seems like we're on a pretty level playing field. Like, I don't know what else you could possibly do. Anyways, there is another bit to this story because, of course, this video goes out. It goes viral. They sort of spin the message of Billie Eilish has come out in a new Variety interview. So then Billie Eilish takes to Instagram and posts this. She says... Thanks, Variety, for my award and for also outing me on a red carpet at 11 a.m. instead of of talking about anything else that matters. I like boys and girls. Leave me alone about it, please. Literally, who cares? Stream, what was I made for? Okay. I understand the, the latter part of this message of literally who cares? I like boys and girls, whatever. Okay, we can leave that behind. But... Come on now, are we really gonna package this as like some sort of nefarious act where they outed you in front of the whole world and told the whole world about your sexuality? Mind you, back in the day, outing somebody was a serious thing to do like an absolutely horrible thing to do and I think it still is in some cases if somebody is in, uh, in an unsafe environment or you know their family's not going to take well to whatever orientation it is that they choose if you out them you are doing something like with intent to harm to make the, the same comparison here with what happened in that red carpet video where Billie Eilish essentially goes well yeah duh I thought everybody knew that is not the same And for her to turn around and say, like, you guys outed me uh, on a red carpet in front of the whole world doesn't sit right with me. I'll just say that.
1: And especially when you kind of volunteered that information, like no one put a gun to your head to say what you said, you could easily spin the question or dodge the question. I mean, presumably, this isn't your first rodeo on a red carpet with a microphone in front of your face. So you could easily like, say whatever you want to say. And I believe that there was an article that came out in Variety, like a month ago, in which uh, Billy was actually quoted as saying something to the effect of I find women physically attractive, which another point on the whole by situation i'm like how is that really that explosive of a statement like right. women just are physically attractive whether like as, as just an objective reality like at least relative to to men i mean i get it like if you, whether where your sexual interest lies may inform how you uh what that statement means but just as a matter of like just general the way the world works i mean women yes. are just physically attractive creatures let's just Let's just state that for the record.
0: Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And that's the thing, because, like, you'll you'll see so many girls who are like, uh, you know, I'm bi- bisexual or whatever. I'm like, okay, I guess I get it. Like, if you walk into a room and you're, like, judging, like, beautiful women versus beautiful men, I think women have the tendency to find other women far more attractive far more often than they find the men in the room attractive. So I think it's easier for women to, like, explore and experiment in that way, and it's no shock that Billie Eilish would be somebody who does that. So to hop on Instagram and accuse them of outing her just astounds me, especially when you get to see the clip and you you see how casual the conversation is right now. And the fact that the interview said, are you coming out of the closet right now? And made like a little joke out of it, made light of it and Billy decided to respond. Don't make such a nefarious accusation when what actually happened was super casual. And maybe it's that people made a big deal out of it and said, oh my gosh, this interviewer outed her and she sort of took that in and absorbed it and said, oh, you know what? That is what happened. Now I'm gonna post about it publicly. But with fandoms these days and how crazy certain like stands of certain celebrities are, You should not make an accusation like that because I know whoever that interviewer was on that red carpet is getting heat right now because Billie Eilish has hundreds of millions of followers. And I caught on to this because this whole this whole tweet was going out. Right. It says Billie Eilish has lost more than 100000 followers on Instagram after coming out. And I'm like, ooh. 100,000 followers, that seems like a lot. Until you go to Billie Eilish's page and you find that she has right. 110 million followers on Instagram. <laughs> At that point, like relative to the following that she has, what does it even mean that you've lost 100,000 followers when you have 110 million people following you? I can't even like get gauge the scope of how many individuals that is following you on Instagram.
1: If my math is right, that's one out of every 10,000 followers uh, was... And you can't even really connect the dots between them being somehow offended by this or whatever, but you lost one out of every 10,000 followers. It's like, it's not really as big of a dent as it sounds. But when you say, Oh my gosh, she lost 100,000 followers after the news leaks that it breaks, then it's like this big scandalous thing where there's where the world is rife with biphobia or something like that
0: right exactly so it's like I think we're making a much bigger deal out of everything in this story than it actually is and I'm sure she's lost 100,000 followers on other occasions given how big her following is I can think of other controversies that Billie Eilish was involved in that would have been much more salacious and scandalous than anything that has to do with her being bisexual so be so for real right now when she says literally nobody cares it's true Nobody cares. Nobody really should for the most part and I don't know that anything actually comes of this now we're gonna move on since we are under the LGBTQ umbrella, not by identification, just by storyline. Uh, here is a sports story posted by Riley Gaines on Twitter that says, two men take first and second at the Illinois State Cyclocross Championships yesterday. USA Cycling has two categories, for men and none for women. Any woman who concedes and doesn't compete, I will personally pay them the prize money they're missing out on, stop participating in the farce, and here's a photo. Here, I think we can see uh, quite, quite well who the biological woman is uh, here, and what is happening. <laughs> oh, gosh, I, I don't know what to say at this point. Because you know that we've been through this same, like, back and forth over this subject matter of women losing out to men. And there's only so much you can say about it other than the fact that it's unfair, it's not okay, and it's going to continue to happen. And for one reason is that we've accepted this ideology widely and we've said that if you identify as a woman, you are a woman. But also we've sort of been apathetic towards stuff like this. And of course there's people who from the outside are going to watch this and scream and tweet and talk about how horrific it is. But as, as far as the women who are competing in this are concerned, if you keep showing up, it's going to keep happening. So I hope that there is a, a revolution within women's sports where, at least a small group of women decide, hey, we're not going to do this anymore. And of course, we've seen those women rise and and come forward and speak up. Uh, Riley Gaines is a great example. Paula Scanlon's a great example, both swimmers. But there could be so many more. And if we just decided to not compete in these things uh, anymore, they wouldn't have it. And hopefully they'd be forced to change the rules and make it fair and safe for women. Because what what are protections for women anymore if this is allowed? They're non-existent
1: and that's what i love about what riley is doing here is by saying that hey if you refuse to compete against males as an as an act of protest i will front the prize money that yeah. you would be forfeiting uh in order to do this and uh, my hope is that the courage is contagious because something like that level of protest is what's going to be necessary to force the hand of these institutions uh that the governing bodies of these sports to really uh decide to enforce a a sex-specific competitive landscape uh, for, for each sex. And uh, Riley Gaines offering to personally, out of her own pocket, pay the prize money that uh, a woman would be forfeiting if, if she were to win. But to to the point of this, uh, this story, you have the best-performing female finished in third place with two mm-hmm. biological males ahead of her. And you can either take that sitting down and just chalk that up to, well, that's the world that we live in now, and what you know, whatever. Or you can stand up and say, uh, I'm going to fight for my sport. I'm going to fight for women. I'm going to fight for women's rights. And now, what Riley Gaines is doing is making that fight all that much easier by eliminating the variable of money um, from from these women uh, holding back from. Uh, from protesting in this manner, so I think uh, it's a really great move by her, and I think she's been a champion in this movement. And I do think that courage is contagious, or at least I hope so. In this case,
0: yeah, and you, I don't get it twisted for me, right? I can understand why female athletes continue to compete if this is your livelihood and something you've strived for your entire life. It's hard to say in an act of protest against you know one individual who's competing or two individuals in this case. I'm going to you know abstain from the entire sport as a whole and I'm not going to compete anymore. That's a super difficult decision to make, especially when you start to get into more elite forms of sport where these women have been working their entire lives for a small window of opportunity to be competitors. So it's tough to take stock of all that and to say, wow, just because some biological man wants to come in here and take my space, I have to sit this out. I'm the one who has to protest because these governing bodies do not protect me. It's a hard decision to have to make, but I am glad, as Taylor said, somebody is coming in and saying, at least I can cushion the blow of you abstaining from competing with prize money. We all know uh, Taylor Silverman, who was on this show before, and you can check out her interview. She's a skateboarder, and she was doing a Red Bull competition where a trans person was competing, ended up losing out on prize money, and... That was a a big motivator. When you are working competitively in sports, that prize money is a big deal. The competition is a big deal. So to have to say, you know what, I'm going to withdraw and I'm actually going to call you out is a difficult thing to do because now you've lost the sport that you love so much. And you also lose a big part of your community. There are going to be people who hate you for doing what you've done. And we've seen that in the examples of Riley Gaines and Paula Scanlon and Taylor Silverman. And I can only imagine there's going to be more. I am curious to see what the next sport is. Where is the newest realm of uh, patriarchy being reinstated? Because that's what it is. That's what it is, folks. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, again, here on the, the the gender front, this I, I want to talk about this story because this is something that is similar and has happened to uh, me before. Chloe Cole, who is a very well-known detransitioner, has been going around and speaking at universities and has a very, very important story Chloe, a born female, believed that she was male, went through a transitioning process and now talks about the process of detransitioning, what it's been like on her body, the long lasting effects of having transitioned and was going to the University of Utah to speak on exactly that. And the professors canceled classes. Now, look, look at Chloe Cole. Chloe Cole is like a tiny little girl, probably like 100 pounds soaking wet. And they had to cancel classes for the safety of students and host a healing circle ahead of this lecture happening at the University of Utah. This is how uncomfortable they are with confronting opinions that are not their own, which is insane to me. And Taylor and I have experienced this, right? Because I've gone around the different universities to speak and again, it's me, like compare me with Chloe Cole, like look at the both of us, we're going to speak to a group of students who wants to be there. It's not like they're saying, here's a guest speaker and it's a mandatory conference that you all have to go to and you all have to sit in the auditorium and listen to this girl. It is elective. You can come if you want to come, and it is outside of school hours. And I show up to, I think it was Winona State University. (laughs) Winona State University. And they decided that if you did not want to show up to class that day, you did not have to go to class. And this was not at the request of students, although students were involved. It was at the request of faculty at the college campus. So what these childlike university students did is the night before or the yeah the night before I arrived in uh, Winona they got up at like two in the morning came to the campus I kid you not with buckets of chalk and they wrote chalk messages all over the campus on the concrete and on uh, the buildings saying that you're a Nazi, Amala is a white supremacist, that she is you know, racist and homophobic and transphobic and protect trans kids all over the buildings and things at two in the morning with chalk, like little children in an act of protest, and then they didn't show up to school the next day. Even though I wasn't there during their school day, and they did not have to come to the speech. And I can only imagine that this is just a sliver of what Chloe Cole is having to experience on these campuses, because you know, if you are a trans person or a once trans person who has now detransitioned, I think the sense of betrayal in that category is even deeper for these people. So they come at you even harder, much like me being a leftist and having left that camp. They feel like I cannot believe you were once with us and you no longer agree with us anymore. Now we must punish you harder for that act of betrayal. So my heart goes out to, uh, to, Chloe, to sweet little Chloe Cole, who is quite literally just trying to warn people of harm that they could be perpetuating onto others.
1: And they have to have a healing circle because of her warnings against potential self-harm that you could have happen to you, as she's already experienced. She's literally sharing her story. It's just, just crazy. And there's the the part that you didn't um, recant or uh, recount mm-hmm. about your story with Winona State was that the year prior you had gone and engage with people who were protesting. Yeah. And when you engage with them, you took out your phone and recorded the exchange. And you asked them what they disagree with you about. You were very civil. You offered to support the food drive that they were putting on and ended up basically humiliating them. And those videos went absolutely viral all over the Internet. You weren't trying to humiliate them. You were just asking them in good faith, like what disagreements do you have with things that I've said or with the you said, which you were representing at the time? And uh, they were just completely unable to come up with anything. You were like, get her a phone so she can Google something to to, to say that she disagrees with. And those videos went absolutely viral. So it's funny that a year later when you went back, yeah. uh, they were rather than coming with uh, to protest or rather than coming in and having a debate with you, which you would have welcomed, you would have put them uh, at the very front of the row to ask any questions that they wanted to. They just decided to not show up, which is still, I guess, better than what they did to Riley Gaines recently. Not not the same school and same people, but people who disagreed. Uh, Riley Gaines, I don't remember what university she was at, but was basically... Uh, chased into a room and that she had to board her, barricade herself in a room until mm-hmm. security could escort her out because she was under the threat of physical violence. Because little old Riley Gaines, with her crazy ideas, uh, was threatening the safety of students apparently so much so that they had to physically threaten her safety and force her into a room uh, where she had to be escorted out by security. And it's just interesting to me that it, it seems when you have weak ideas or weak ideology uh, that just can't stand up to truth and reasonable discussion, you seem to have to resort to actions that are firm and strong. And you see this with totalitarian societies uh, throughout history, but it even betrays itself in something like this Chloe Cole instance and something like what you've experienced and what Riley Gaines has experienced is the need to Take actions that rather than engaging the ideas on good faith and using free speech to uh, hash everything out, you resort to these uh, actions that require people to either uh, just not be allowed to speak or, yep. God forbid, be harmed or be quarantined or whatever it may be. And it's just betraying the weakness of the side that you're standing for.
0: And then it's like, you know, I have to think do you actually think? There is any sense of like impending doom if somebody with opinions that you disagree with shows up on your campus. I do think that to some extent they convince themselves that having a speaker who they disagree with is actually harmful. I think if you d- play enough mind games and you do enough mental gymnastics and you subscribe yourself to the ideology hard enough, you can truly convince yourself that like if Chloe Cole comes to my campus, she is actually going to create harm for other students. But I think before anything else, it's a sense of defensiveness that leads people to have that belief. And it's defensiveness because they do not truly believe what they're saying. And they know that their beliefs stand on shaky ground, especially when it comes to the LGBTQ stuff and the gender theory and the detransition versus transition. They know it stands on shaky ground. so just the thought of somebody coming in and sharing their own experience and you know, objective facts that they have in regard to whatever subject they're coming to speak about. Just the thought of that like makes them quake in their boots so much that they need a, he- a healing circle. And for those of you who don't know what a healing circle is, with my old leftist experience, you all know, uh, <laughs> I used to do a ton of conferences, right? And my job was to educate young students in like middle school and high school about leftism and socialism and women's rights and you know the intersectionality and all the different race battles that are happening in in the United States so we would host huge conferences where we would have these students come out for a few days and we would discuss all of these different topics together, provide them you know historical education about these acts of oppression and we would create frameworks for how we you know build and, and have progress in the current America and how do we move forward and engage and elevate black people and women this you, you all know. I can, I can put on that hat anytime I want to. <laughs> I just don't want to anymore. And during these conferences, what we would do is... I guess we've convinced ourselves that even talking about oppression is somehow a traumatic experience. And I get how some people can believe that, and especially very sensitive people can believe that. But in these conferences, we would have little healing rooms that you can go to that have healing circles. So, if we were having a discussion about slavery, and you felt particularly uncomfortable, or you felt generational trauma coming on from the the conversation, you could exit to uh, the, the healing circle or the healing room and Like take some time to yourself and you know I'm trying not to like act like that's absolutely ridiculous because I can understand why people do it but to me now in the headspace that I'm in currently it's just a little bit ridiculous to not be able to engage with history and ideas without having to remove yourself and go to some sort of healing circle safe space room but it's a reality it's really what it's really what we do at these sort of uh, conferences and uh, get togethers.
1: Yeah, it's one thing to gather up with friendly, like-minded people uh, that you can be vulnerable with and share trauma and process things with. I think that's a healthy exercise, Mm -hmm. generally speaking. But to be so triggered by being exposed to different ideas or the presence of someone who espouses ideas that are different from yours, especially in settings like university, which is supposed to be a bastion of new ideas and free speech and discussing things in good faith. uh, But to be so triggered by something like that that you would then the basis for your healing circle is not just the pursuit of being whole as a person and sharing community but it is uh needing to find a safe space from these different ideas it's just again betrays a level of i don't know uh shallowness in your in your convictions in your the, the the strength of your ideas uh the strength of your worldview that is just It it, it betrays a lot of weakness on the ground that you're standing on philosophically, it's all I'll say.
0: Yeah, I mean, every single conference I went to that had a healing room, I think a little part of my leftism died. (laughs) It was just so cringe that I could not not escape it. At a certain point, you're just like, "This, this is getting a little bit ridiculous. And again, if you're expressing you know stories of your own traumatic past or things that have happened to you and you need to like take a break and recoup i can totally understand that but it's very different when you're like talking about things that have nothing to do with you or are historical or are just not founded in reality or fact and you allow that to change your emotions and trigger you so much that you need to remove yourself from the space. So that's something, shout out to Chloe Cole. Hope she's having, hope she had a good time at the University of Utah. And I hope the healing circles were productive for the students. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> real quick, I just asked you guys in the audience because I was curious, did you know what a healing circle was before Amal explained it today? And 80% no. So I didn't either. So I'm glad wow. that you didn't take the time to educate us.
0: Yeah, no, it's a real, real deal thing. Uh, you know, some staples of a leftist healing circle is, you know, you'll walk into a pretty empty quiet room they'll put pillows on the floor maybe they'll have burning sage some of them you know if you're really lucky have crystals that have different energies and you can actually pick up a crystal and hold it for you know whichever energy you feel like you need whether that is like strength or protection or love or happiness (laughs) this is real and some healing circles
1: i'm christian christians do some weird stuff but whatever that's like some weird religious stuff we're getting into on on yeah
0: no it is it is very real and then some uh some healing circles like if you're going to a kind of bougie conference uh they'll get somebody who like specializes in like therapy and healing circles or crystals and they'll be there in the healing room to like walk you through uh whatever you know trauma you feel you may be experiencing at the conference based on you know whatever is being talked about so it's very much a real
1: how thing long until we get a documentary you know like what was that wild Wild country documentary about that cult from the yeah the raj Raj parham. Yeah. parham like how long till we get a documentary like that but like a deep dive into the, the cult of You know, woke leftism. That would be really fascinating.
0: Yeah. You know what? That should have been. I'm ousted, so I can't go back in and do that. (laughs) (laughs) There's no amount of disguise that is going to uh, make me (laughs) be able to be in those rooms anymore. But (laughs) I could have been the person to do it and I should have. Mm -hmm. I wish I had old pictures of me at some of these conferences. I'm sure I do somewhere uh, in the abyss of old photos that I just never want to uh, see or be witness to ever again but they exist. (laughs) Guys, we're gonna move on to some dating stuff. I saw this clip on Twitter and I was like, what the hell? We are reaching new levels uh, with some modern women. This lady is saying, if you're a man who wants to hit on her at the grocery store, you better be paying for the groceries. Let's watch the video. Wait, so niggas will flirt with you at the grocery store, but not offer to pay for your groceries? I bet you're fucking pardon? What the fuck you think this is? I'm, I'm over here shopping for things and you're flirting with me while I'm shopping for things but not offering to pay for the things that I'm shopping for while you're trying to flirt with me. Are you stupid? Like, the only way to win right now is to pay for the groceries. If not, move move the fuck around. First of all, what a lovely woman. <laughs> What a lovely, classy uh, young woman. I cannot wait to see the type of guy that she does indeed find herself ending up with. But you know what? What are you supposed to do as a man? First of all, it would be the dodged bullet of a lifetime to actually not end up with this woman. So congratulations to whatever man was like, yeah, I'm not gonna pay for your groceries, I'm actually gonna like walk away from this situation right now. But oh my goodness, are there really, I like to think that this is just a small subset of the internet and they're not really people who believe the stuff that is like what is coming out of this, this woman's mouth, that if you hit on a woman at a grocery store you need to pay for the groceries. Be so for real right now. And where are men supposed to hit on women anymore? Where are you supposed to find your girlfriend? Where are you supposed to get a first date? Because everywhere I turn, people are saying, don't hit on me here. Don't hit on me there. I don't want to be approached here. And we see the numbers and the stats, right? Because men have been surveyed on this. Women have been surveyed on this. Men are scared to go and talk to women for fear of, you know, rejection, fear of legal response for some of them, and they just don't know where to do it. They can't do it at work. They can't do it at the gym. They can't do it at the grocery store. Some of the women don't even want it to happen at, like, bars or clubs, even, like, mixers where people are supposed to be meeting one another. Women don't want to be hit on there. What are you to do? How do you, like, make the call on this? (laughs)
1: it's it's not in your own interest to have this blanket rule either like if a guy has riz hey did i use the word right uh (laughs) and approaches you at a grocery store and you find him charming and he makes you feel special and makes you feel attractive or makes you laugh like don't wouldn't you want that to go somewhere like why create a condition that you must pay for my groceries if you if i'm even going to entertain the idea of you uh Taking me on a date or anything to that effect, like you're you're automatically eliminating what would probably be great guys uh, from your pool just by having a blanket requirement like that, like this, which is where so much of this like red pill and other like dating content, And you see these girls get on TikTok, and it says if a man doesn't do X Y Z or if a man does this, that's you know it's a non-starter. Like be Real, let let real life happen mm-hmm. and uh, be a little bit more open minded. We get, I feel like we get so far away from reality and organic, authentic interactions with other people, other human beings, uh, when we get so caught up in these different rules and different like oh all women are like this so you need to have this this and this and you need to and oh all men if he's not willing to do this on the first date and blah 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 it's like everybody just chill out and just be present and live your life and like treat other human beings like they're normal people and you might actually find that other people are friendly and nice and you can make connections with people that you didn't maybe expect to just because this is what living life and making relationships is like. And uh, I feel like so much of this content has just become so weird. And I also think, of course, this is probably just an extreme example of uh, something that is not really representative of how most people are, but, but it does represent, I think a lot of just the way that TikTok and, and this type of red pill content has sort of just influenced the, the atmosphere and the landscape of, of the dating world and how people are thinking about this stuff. And there's so many layers of, uh, just these these presuppositions and conditions that you have to put on to put your lens on before you go out into the world when you'd be much better off just living life and chilling out
0: yeah it's just so it becomes so transactional you see people asking women like how much does he have to pay to take you on a first date this girl's saying if you're going to hit on me at the grocery store you need to you know pay for my groceries the male podcasters are saying what do you bring to the table what are you getting from her if you're going to do this this and that so much transaction in you know the way of, of actual human connection and actual dating and mind you like if somebody walks up to you. It's not guaranteed that it's going to go anywhere. But this sort of constant discouragement we have from both sides of the aisle of like just not creating human connections or at least like trying to have conversations with one another, seeing if you hit it off is not going to land us in a good space, I I don't think. Men are finding it really difficult to go out and you know, talk to women and find somebody to date. And I can't imagine why that's the case. And maybe it's because we're all on the internet and we're getting very extreme videos from both sides of all the stuff that's happening in dating. And it's not a clear depiction of reality. And since we're engaging more on here than we are in actual reality, it's tainting our view of the world. And if you just got out there and actually did try to have conversations, maybe you would have some success. But I would love for somebody to do like a study or some research of of the difference in the dating landscape back in the day to now like if you were a guy in let's say the 60s then in the 80s then in the early 2000s then in 2020s up how many women would you have had to approach to get a single first date or even a phone number. I would love to see the numbers on that because if I'm thinking, like, if I were a man right now, I feel like it'd be it'd have to be quite a few women you would have to approach to get a number or a first date or to have any amount of success. Now, if you're a super hot guy, of course, that changes everything, you know? If you're hot, you can go and hit on a woman and, you know, she will do anything for you and then if you're not, she's immediately going to HR as soon as you say, like, I like the color of your hair or something like she's immediately filing a complaint against you. But the thing is, I think like maybe our view of hot and attractiveness has changed to where like fewer and fewer men are in that category. I don't know. This is just my theory. So I can imagine it'd be pretty hard to go out there. If you have to talk to a hundred women just to get one date, damn, that's difficult. So I need somebody to drop the numbers.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, the, the standards do, do certainly seem to be like more rigid these days, at least if you take your cues from what you see on TikTok and these like street interviews of how much should a guy pay for on the first date and how, what's the minimum amount of money he should make. and it, uh, Apparently, a random selection of women on the street would give the impression that only the 1% of 1% of guys, are they willing to entertain? So I think there's maybe something to be said for that in prior decades, uh, that maybe women were a little bit more open-minded and had different, uh, expectations. And we got to think about where those expectations are coming from and how they're being shaped these days. But I gotta hope that again, most humans, kind of like how we say politically, like you have the radical left that's really loud and the radical right that or are the far right that's really loud. And then most people are kind of chill and in the middle. Right. I hope that most people on like when it comes to dating and relationships are more chill than you would than social media would give you the impression of. Yeah. And that just being chill and normal and going out and living life and and engaging with. Uh, people that you may be interested in, or just engaging with other human beings and letting things grow uh, as you go about life in in its regular course. Uh, hopefully, there there that's still a thing, and that the majority of people would be more open-minded than uh, what social media would give you the impression that they are.
0: Yeah, I I have to think like nothing can do you better than unplugging and this is advice that I need to take for myself like I need to stop being on social media so much even though you know part of it's my job but you can use that as an excuse to be on there longer and all this stuff when you unplug yourself I think it does make the world a lot better and the pure saturation of dating content on the internet actually just like blows my mind and I do love to like look through it and analyze it and talk about it but if you are somebody who's genuinely going to the internet for advice like many people are like I. Remember I remember when I was like 12 or 13, right? You get it, you get your your uh smartphone or whatever, or you get a laptop for the first time, and you're like, How do I know if a boy likes me? And back in those days, right? <laughs> 10 years ago, you'd get like your OG YouTubers, like this girl YouTubers who would set up their camera and be like, here's 10 signs on how to know if a boy likes you. He will go out of his way to talk to you. If he likes you, watch his watch his feet or whatever. His feet will be facing you when he's sitting by you or whatever. Just these stupid bits. Of advice. Now if you go into the internet as somebody who's genuinely looking for dating advice or like how to approach women, how to approach a guy, how do I be successful in my dating life, it's like a thousand not even a thousand a million different people telling you a million different things women want alpha male these alpha males these days be super masculine provide for them no women want golden retriever boyfriends who are emotionally available and who cry sometimes and are super vulnerable no they want this no you need a little bit of both there's just uh, so much information plus these like horrible dating takes from some women and the 304 types that you see on fresh and fit and whatever podcast then you have the alpha alpha male podcast mixed with like the sensitive guys who now have shows and stuff and are talking about accessing that part of themselves. I can imagine that you just don't know who to be when you're turning to the internet to tell you who to be. And you have to unplug, go experience life and sort of just find out who you are and what speaks to you. But I I can't think about how much people are actually just unconsciously absorbing from the media that they watch, because I know I am. I know like through the millions of videos that you see throughout your life, you're absorbing a little piece of every single one of them, what that piece is and how it affects you. I do not know, but it cannot be positive.
1: And I think as you're talking, it's interesting for me to think about as a lot of the, this new content has emerged where all of this different weird advice and standards have come into the fray and we have all of these different sources telling young people, this is how you need to think about dating. This is what this means. This is what that means. Uh, that's happening against the backdrop of a culture where broadly speaking, we have less clarity about gender roles. We have less clarity about male nature, female nature, the nature, like what a, what a normal progression in relationship looks like. Um, and what, what a healthy, you know, kind of normative dating scenario mm-hmm. looks like, uh, it, our, our movies now don't really follow that that stereotypical plot that you might have seen in the the late in the 80s, 90s, 2000s. Like nowadays, it's it just it's not it's not the same. We don't have a clear like cultural blueprint for how to think about gender, how to think about gender roles, how to think about masculinity femininity, how to think about dating, how to think about relationships it seems like that's become a much more blurry and fuzzy picture and in the absence of that a lot of these new ideas and new tips that are much more shallow uh, and and temporal and very broad brush strokes and and it, it it you know moves you super far in this direction and then it moves you super far in this direction and we don't have sort of, we're not like anchored in a deeper sense of uh just knowing how the world works and how relationships between men and women work or how romantic relationships work in general and what male nature is like and what female nature is like, those things have just become less clear and all this new shallow advice has filled that void and it's just left for a lot of despair and confusion, I think. And I think that's, that's my working theory on how, why the modern dating landscape is as bad as it's ever been, or at least appears to be.
0: Yeah. And you have to think like what happens when like your phone and your laptop and your tv and all the videos and all the advice and all the alpha male this 304 that when that becomes primary rather than secondary to your lifestyle because it used to be like let's talk about the uh era of the the tv and radio or whatever it used to be that those were supplemental materials to your life you were going out and living life you know building relationships making friends learning how to date or court or whatever you know the phrase was for, for the time. And then you'd come home and you'd watch a little bit of TV and you go to bed. <laughs> like that was it. That's all you were getting, uh, you know, a, a, a small slot of time. Now, if you look at like people's screen time averages, it's like 12 hours a day. Some people are spending on their phone and then what another eight hours for sleep and four hours for for living your life. And of course, you have people who work. So then you have work and then phone time and then whatever time you're using to live and then sleep. How does that affect you mentally? Again, I do not know. And we spoke at the top of the show that uh, Riz was the 2023 word of the year for Oxford University. That's what it was. Oxford University Press who puts out the word of the year. I want to talk about some of the other words that they had considered to make and what my vote would have been. The other words were Swifties for the Taylor Swift fans, because apparently that was used a lot this year. Parasocial, uh, which describes the parasocial relationship that you have with people who you follow on the internet, influencers, celebrities, any of the content you're taking in, you are building a relationship with those people. Beige flag, which is not a red flag, not a green flag, but an in the middle sort of beige flag. We don't know how we feel about these things. And a situationship which is a relationship that's not quite a relationship. It's maybe somebody you're in a talking stage with slash maybe hooking up with, but you haven't defined your relationship. I 100% think parasocial should have been the word of 2023 because every single person that I know has a parasocial relationship with somebody on the internet in some way, shape, or form, whether it is your favorite content creator, a celebrity that you follow all the time, somebody who you're going to for dating advice, or just any sort of internet figure that has managed to take up more space in your life, be it a love or a hate relationship, than is normal. I think we all have those figures in our lives. I can think of a few just from thinking of myself. And I go, that is... It's so weird that a person that we do not know in real life, we have these deep connections to. And again, that's the nature of the beast itself of the internet. We're all here, we're all having a conversation. Right now, we are engaging in a parasocial relationship of talking to one another as I talk to you and you are in the chat. But it's so interesting to think about how these things are going to shift and evolve as time goes on and just how much of a piece people on the internet like you and like me are going to take on in our lives. So it's just a fun fact. I thought that should have been the the word of the year.
1: (laughs) Well, so if you guys are trying to riz up Amala uh, into a parasocial situationship, (laughs) uh, I would consider that a beige flag. (laughs) We did make a poll for you guys. Uh, We could only do four options. So I left out Swifties just because I feel like that's not that new and Uh Uh, but we asked you your vote for word of the year, and so far, forty-five percent say "Riz," twenty-seven percent "parasocial," eighteen percent "situationship," and nine percent "beige flag." There, so you, there go.
0: you go. Yeah, I know. I I don't. I think I'm so curious to see how parasocial relationships evolve. Like, what is the new parasocial relationship of the time? When I first got started on the internet, when I was in my early teens, it was OG YouTubers who. It's crazy. Become sort of like best friends in your life that, of course, you're not talking to or you don't actually know or have any sort of relationship with. But they do become friends to you with the amount of time that you spend with them. Like if you are spending an hour on this show talking and sitting with me right now, you might be spending more time with me. Then the average friend in your life that you would maybe call on the phone or FaceTime or go out and get drinks with. And that means something. That's a really deep connection that you have, even though it is a curated one. And that is so interesting to think about, in my opinion.
1: (laughs) And I'll say like I've had different seasons in my life. Like I still have a sports podcast I've listened to for a long time. And it's kind of my like when my brain needs to to chill out and I just want to relax after a long day, or if I'm at the gym or something, I'll throw on that podcast and it's the personalities. I feel like I'm in the room hanging out with these guys. I don't listen so much just because I care so much about sports, but it's because it's like it's my parasocial relationship. And I don't think that's in principle something that nobody should ever do. I think it can be like a a chill thing, a chill part of your life that exposes you to different ideas, different people. And that's interesting. And I think that's totally fine. Maybe a deeper example. um, Several years ago, I was kind of ending my season working for uh, Christian mega churches and kind of had some qualms with that culture and was processing just everything I'd gone through and separating, like what's essential to my, my actual faith, what do I actually believe and what was kind of just dogma that was part and parcel of the culture that I was living in and just trying to process and separate all that. And there was a podcast I found that had some guys who were of a similar background who were processing all of that. And uh, that really was something that was helpful for me in that season. So anyways, I think that those parasocial relationships can be like healthy, but also they're not a, by no means a healthy substitute for like actual relationships. And they shouldn't be something that keeps you locked up in your basement all day and that you think you have a real. Social life when that's all that you have. So there's something to be said for, for both sides of that. I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. Think about ma- making them secondary. If that's if parasocial relationships are your primary uh, relationship right now in life. Let's think about making them a secondary or tertiary because uh, that might not be the healthiest way to go about life. But I would love again. I keep talking about like different things I want to be studied. And if anybody's uh, you know a social scientist, get on this right now. What <laughs> what is the breakdown of people that would define their parasocial relationships as being primary in their life rather than secondary. And I need to make a whole video about this, and I see it a lot with a stan culture, and I think we are experiencing that now more so than ever. If you look at people who are fans of like Taylor Swift, Beyonce, Ariana Grande, Billie Eilish, as we spoke about today, they've created a subculture around their parasocial relationship with said celebrity, and it influences a lot of what they do. People who are deeply into Taylor Swift are like competing over how high they can be on her Spotify wrapped, how many songs of of hers they know. Do they know the layout of her house? Do they know what wine she drinks? Are they buying the same clothes that she's wearing? And this relationship that Back in the day, you would not have had access to because you couldn't have known that much about celebrities. There were newspapers at the time. So you got whatever newspapers sold you about you know, the celebrity that you may or may not have been obsessed with. And there was sort of this mysterious nature to fame and celebrity of you only get these small glimpse glimpses of these people's lives. You only get to see them in concert. You only get to see them when they're, you know, doing an, an interview show when TV came around. And that was all the information you got about those people. Now, in the age of social media, You know where Taylor Swift is on a Friday night. You know what food she ordered. You know who she's returning home to, where she's living, what she's eating, what she's wearing when she goes to bed, what skincare products she's wearing when she wakes up in the morning. And you can, to the furthest extent that's ever been possible, adopt the life and the culture surrounding a singular person who you do not know on the Internet. And people are aware of that. That's why influencers get brand deals. And, you know, corporations are trying to buy up their time and buy up your eyes in relation to these people. And there's a lot of money circulating in that sense. But how much further can this go? And where what is the next era of celebrity that happens? And how far does Stan culture go? Because these people... These people are vicious. They are. You come after a certain celebrity in the wrong way, and it's like millions of people are suddenly knocking at your door in the name of Billie Eilish or Ariana Grande or Taylor Swift to literally eat you alive for a person that they do not know personally.
1: <laughs> so they're coming for us today based on how we've covered this Billie Eilish story. So I guess we're, we're on the lookout for the Billie Eilish parasocial uh, acolytes. I can, at us. I can take them. I can take them. It ain't no Bring thing. <laughs>
0: it ain't no thing anyways guys i'm gonna get off my soapbox we're gonna get into uh two super chats we'll talk a little bit more about this
1: let's do it yeah i mean i think that's a good another good documentary idea while we're kicking those around uh doing the the parasocial relationships for real i could i could could rant about it
0: for a very long time
1: all right first super chat today is from maurice He says, whoa, I caught a live. Too bad. I just parked at work and I'm now about to go in. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Haha. But look forward to watching when I finish. Enjoy the show, everyone. Oh, Ah, thank you
0: so much. We appreciate you. That's so kind.
1: Uh, Must Pavlov Dog says, I haven't, still haven't fin- finished reading The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Mm. Do you think I should finish it before I see the film? Should yes. I temper my expectations?
0: You should finish it before you see the film. I'm not going to give any spoilers to it, okay? Because I just want to rant. I'm going to go on a rant again. Because <laughs> you brought up Hunger Games, which is like one of my favorite things. Uh, the just divide between what the beauty of what Suzanne Collins has in those books and what appears in the movies is vast and this is not to like bring down the movies of the Hunger Games franchise because i love them and i did love the newest one i just think like if you really want the depth the meaning the richness of the story and the world building and the the message of Hunger Games you should definitely read the books and finish them before the movies one note that i will make that i think was a miss on this most current uh, iteration of Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, is that they did not quite nail Snow's inner monologue and what that looks like and just how delusional and distorted and paranoid and horrible that character actually is and I feel like that was missing in the movie which is a really important part so most definitely if you have watched the movie and haven't read the book read the book if you are planning on watching the movie I would recommend reading the book beforehand so that you can get the full scope of what is written there because it's actually very interesting so
1: so there you go <laughs> yeah. surprised we didn't do a you didn't do a movie review after you watched it I could
0: I've I've thought about it but I'm like I cannot fully encompass my entire thoughts on like book versus movie without speaking for at least three hours <laughs> so <Wow. laughs> my sister and I got out of the movie because she she had read the book before we went to go see it too and I swear we had like a four-hour conversation about each character all the things that were missed the meaning that they represent and just uh, I could go on about that book for hours maybe we'll do a live just about the ballad of songbirds and snakes
1: well my wife's a big bookworm as mm-hmm. you know and she's a very staunch like read the book before you see the movie or the book is usually better than the movie mm-hmm. so make sure you do that but for yeah. like harry potter for example i saw the movies first and then i went and like listened to the audiobooks and it, i love the movies and then the audiobooks i was like wow there's even more detail and this, right. it brings it to life even better so i liked it you know so i think there's something to be said for going both ways but i think it does depend like movie and movie and book to book
0: yeah which you know if you're going to do a movie adaptation of something it is so hard to like fully encompass what it can be written with words of course words have like far more opportunity to really color the story and tell you all the like inner dynamics between the characters and their thought process and of course if you're going to put that in movie form something does have to be stripped away to a certain extent so it's no like no blame on them it's it's hard to do and to do well but I can imagine yeah if you watched all of the Harry Potters and then you read the book you're like whoa there's so much deeper meaning in it like I listened to uh the Witch Trials of J.K. Rowling. I haven't read the Harry Potter books. I've only seen a few of the movies. And just the small excerpts that they read from the Harry Potter books in that podcast, I was like, whoa, the movies did not feel like that when I was watching it. I didn't really get the vibe of a far deeper meaning like what was written in in the books.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I had the same arc with uh, Lord of the Rings as well. I got obsessed with the movies and then I read the books. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. But those books are a little more difficult to read. Yeah. It takes, takes commitment. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Pitland44 says, and despite all this drama, Billie Eilish still doesn't have anything resembling a personality.
0: Aww. Oh, you know what? I I actually like Billie Eilish. Like I, uh, Taylor and I were talking before the show, like, oh, do you know a lot of Billie Eilish songs? Her first album that she put out, I was like, okay, girl. And she's wildly talented. I mean, she rose to fame in her teen years and early teens too. So uh, what, a, what an interesting thing that is to experience. And I think we should leave room for the fact that, and this is just a fact, and, and maybe not for all people, but becoming famous at an early age stunts your growth and stunts your yeah. development. You are, as much as we love the idea of like becoming rich and famous at a young age, or like being a child star, or we say, I wish my mom had like signed me up for commercials and TVs when I was a kid, it does stunt your growth and can just like pause where where you develop. And I think for for Billie Eilish that may or may not have have occurred.
1: Yeah, it's just not the worst off we've seen of the child celebrities. Uh, right. So we'll see how she ends up, but it's like the Michael Jackson effect. Like that dude was famous from his childhood and you know, it just totally influences your development. It so does. We'll see. She seems all right. Uh, Seems let's right. see. Leah Menezes says the coming out discourse in America has annoyed me a lot lately coming out as LGBT in America is not nearly as risky as coming out in Asia, Africa and the Caribbean.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, uh, one thing that opened my eyes quite a bit. I went to Amsterdam earlier this year. I think it was earlier this year. Sorry. I get my times mixed up and at their Big museum, which I forget what the name of it is, uh, they had this whole exhibition outside that had every country's flag, and beneath it, it showed the different punishments that you can get for coming out as gay in, in said country. And you just walk down this path where you can read all the punishments and people who have been punished and all this stuff. And it's insane. It's insane. I think if people walked through that and watched it, it would open their eyes a little bit to, yes, the progress that we've made in the United States, but also progress that I think needs to be made in other regions. And there's room to be, have the conversation that maybe we've gone a little bit too far in the United States and it's influencing other countries to move in the opposite direction. Like I think we've seen evidence of a lot of African nations. And most recently, I forget, there was one where there was essentially people cheering about making you know homosexuality illegal and
1: it's Uganda.
0: Uh, Uganda. Okay. So Uganda. And a lot of the evidence that they had for doing that was saying, look at the United States, look at how crazy the LGBTQ plus people there, look at how far it goes if you allow for a little bit of progress. So beware, guys, if your movements go too far and you're saying, we need progress because look at how other people are living in other countries, recognize how good you have it here and recognize that there is a moment where your movement needs to stop or other countries that are super oppressive are going to use the United States as evidence to why they should not make progress. Uh, So that was really eye-opening to walk down that path and read all the things that were happening and then to see people cite the United States as a reason why they were moving in such a a harsh uh, manner towards homosexuality.
1: Why are you gay?
0: Why are you gay? Who is to say that I am gay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, never gets old. Never gets
1: uh, old. Oh, man. Sorry. This is going to be a hard name. I'll do my best. <laughs> Bazokuli Cooley Meth- says, says, uh, Hi, Amala and Taylor. It's my birthday. Been watching since ooh, ooh, June. Thank you for being constantly based and not polarized. Keep on being you. Have a nice day.
0: Oh, thank you. And happy birthday. <laughs> birthday thank you so much for your support
1: and i apologize if you got your name wrong it's a yeah cool we try we try sure yeah uh rp awareness month says speaking about men and women's sports i think when men start pushing 304s out of their own spaces that's when things will finally change oh my Take gosh notes.
0: it has nothing alex i can't with you i really can't <laughs> i can't oh dear next <laughs> uh,
1: Swinging a miss swing a miss Uh, Arctic Fox says, caught the stream. You're in the top three on my Spotify wrapped. Do you think these trans slash LGBTQ slash pronouns issues are just a phase of the 2020s? Love from Belgium. I
0: hope it's a phase of the 2020s. And this is not for everything, right? I'm not saying I hope gay people are a phase of the 2020s. Okay. Just don't get me. Don't media matters me right now. But I, uh, in speaking about that, this latest Jubilee that we're going to react to on Wednesday, I saw some clips from it of just... Some of the stuff that was being said, I'm, I, I was watching it and I'm like, this has to be a phase. This is the most crazy mindset view, way of thinking that I've ever heard. It was just like lesbians arguing with each other and saying, I do think that a man who identifies as a woman is also a lesbian. And then one of them was saying, I'm non-binary and my pronouns are they, them, or sometimes he, him, or sometimes she, hers. And I'm also a lesbian. Hearing it, I'm just like, why are nothing means anything anymore? Why are we here? If if a man can be a lesbian and a non-binary can be a lesbian, what is the point of even having this conversation anymore? It means nothing. Just disband the whole thing because I can't I can't deal with this back and forth. And I'm sure there's a lot of lesbian and gay people who feel that and are frustrated with some of the conversations that are happening right now. But when I hear stuff like that, I'm thinking this has to be a trend because it's not founded in anything. And this just cannot sustain itself as new things start to arise and new identifications and new pronouns. the, The house of cards cannot stay up.
1: No, to your point a minute ago, you're worried about microaggressions and misgendering and your non-binary lesbianism, while (sighs) in other countries, it's being outlawed. People are literally being put in jail or worse, thrown off buildings, etc. So if these are your people, if this is really a thing that you care about, like, let's have a little bit of perspective here. And uh, there's no way that it's sustainable to uh, continue quarreling and quibbling over the silly things yeah uh, no. that this movement has descended into uh let's see kennedy says hi Amala and taylor just wanted to say thank you for not for making me feel like i'm not a bad person for having opinions like yours the left has always made me feel like a horrible person. So thank you and happy holidays.
0: Aw, well, thank you. We we are of the opinion that probably most of the people watching right now are not horrible people. It takes a lot to be a horrible person. You have to actively just have, like, hatred and a, a mean spirit in, in your heart. And I don't think most people are like that, even though we have varying opinions. I don't think most leftists are like that. So we're all for good people and exploring opinions. So it's always welcome here.
1: Yeah, we're glad you're here, Kennedy. Yep. Uh, Jinx says, whatever happened to sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. Uh, they don't teach emotional resilience anymore. It's a shame.
0: Yeah, I don't know. The adage has has switched now. Now it's like words are breaking people to the point of no return. And I don't know when exactly we got there or what point the, the, the switch was flipped, but we're here now.
1: But uh, John Haidt in Coddling of the American Mind. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a book. He's a uh, psychologist who studies uh, a lot of this stuff and the, the influence that social media has had and this like, you know, safetyism and helicopter parenting and all that on Modern Generations. He, he references that that quote and talks about how it's basically been inverted these days. So anyways, yep. if you're interested in that topic, highly recommend yeah, uh, reading great. that. Uh, Connor Leonard says... Hello from Ireland. Love listening to your content, especially when I'm painting. Keep up the good work. Oh, that's
0: cool. I love that for you. I wish I I used to like love to paint and draw. I took AP art in high school and stuff. I wish I need to like bust that out and start doing that again. Maybe we'll do like a Bob Ross type podcast where we're just uh, painting and talking about random stuff at the same time. That would be awesome. And then we'll uh, we'll all uh, share our paintings at the end of the stream. I'll post them on my Instagram story or something. <laughs> That'd be fun. A collective art project. While we talk about clown world. We can all paint mm. our own clowns.
1: <laughs> Impressionist clowns. Yeah. Modern art clowns. <laughs> anything. Uh, let's see. Uh, RP Awareness Month again says, Taylor, your speech about how weak ideas and ideology can't be debated because they know they will lose, which is why the left resorts to violence was 100% fact. Mm, yep. Yeah. Well, it's, thanks.
0: It's true. Like It's like, um, you know, when you're like, when you like back an animal into a corner it's like okay i recognize that i am like pinned down in this point and i'm not going to be able to get out of it so i'll just bite the shit out of you <laughs> <laughs> Which is essentially what these students do they're like oh no she's coming to campus she's gonna say things i don't like i am pinned into a corner here and i can either confront her on the basis of ideas or i can bite her and then they
1: bite Right. And if something is like reasonable and fair and persuasive and good, like most people will freely choose to engage in that sort of paradigm. But mm-hmm. whenever something is unreasonable, unfair, irrational, uh, oppressive, then you are forced to coerce that onto to people. And that's why free societies uh, work because of Speech and cooperation mm-hmm. and compromise and being able to reason with each other and non-free societies require coercion to impose bad ideas onto people. And that's what's scary about seeing the uh, use of force, whether it's through cancel culture or uh, forcing speakers off of campus or, God forbid, using violence against speakers or things of that nature. Uh, seeing that in pockets within our own country, which is supposed to be the, the bastion of freedom and free speech and all these liberal uh, values in the world today. Uh, if, if we're rotting from within and those things die here, like there's nowhere else to go. And you're going to live in a world that's full of this coercion and totalitarianism. And right. That's not a good direction. So,
0: no buenos.
1: Uh, but thank you. Supman <laughs> so, Dude says, if Billie Eilish were to transition, she would have the easiest time in the world. Just replace the IE with Y in her first name, she said.
0: <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I've been thinking about this because there are. We still have this sort of general consensus that it is a big thing to come out of the closet. It's like a massive event in your life. It can come with a lot of negative effects, but I do think we're in a day and age where right now, coming out, the positives overwhelm the negatives. Now, there are exceptions, right? If you live in a family that is not particularly accepting of different identities, then it probably is going to be a very difficult thing to come out of of the closet in that respect. But it's a lot easier especially for like celebs there was a time where if you found out a male celebrity was gay he was not going to get another job ever again you're not going to see him in any movies like nobody's going to be friends with him he's you know exiled out of the industry now if you come out as gay it's like oh, I want to buy your next album. What's the next project we can get you in? How do we have more like trans voices and actors present in the projects that we're making? So much so that there was an old uh, interview clip Of Sam Smith, and he was talking about the idea of coming out as gay, which would eventually turn into coming out as non-binary. And he said, I held off on coming out as gay because I didn't want to make it seem like I was trying to sell more albums. And it was before like he was about to put out a a big album. So you have it from the horse's mouth of a celebrity saying, I know that if I come out as gay, lesbian, bi, trans, non-binary it is going to lead to an uptick in sales. People are going to want me more. So at some point in this great nation's history, it's flipped from being something that is negative to something being positive. When that time happened, I don't know. But it's really not as big of a deal. So to see Billie Eilish say that like variety outed me is a really interesting thing, considering like in a lot of ways, that's I guess technically a favor (laughs) in the industry.
1: Right. see that delia girl says did you watch lady ballers or jubilees can lesbians go by he him would love to hear your thoughts and see a reaction video Love your content as always.
0: So Jubilee is going to be Wednesday's show. We're gonna so hopefully you guys don't miss that. It's going to be at 1 p.m. Pacific, and we'll react to the whole thing in its entirety. I've learned that we're no longer going to skip segments on the Jubilee because as soon as I skip a segment, it doesn't matter. Everybody's like, you should have reacted to this specific segment. It had a ton of stuff in it, which I I grant, there's probably a ton of stuff in all the different uh, segments of Jubilee. So we're gonna to react to it in its entirety. On Wednesday, I didn't watch Lady Ballers, but Taylor did.
1: I did, yeah. Uh, and I don't know if we'll react to it on the show. I mean, Amal has to watch it, but I thought it, and it definitely had great moments. Uh, it was crazy to just be watching a movie where they just say the things that you're not, you don't know, ever hear in modern movies, you know. And and so that was yeah really funny. It was cool to see all the the different like Daily Wire personalities and like people we know making little cameos like. Seth Dillon to Babylon B and Kongman and uh, right. Clay Travis from uh, Outkick and all these different people and kind of the, the conservative movement so it was it was a really cool and interesting like and you could it's it cool to watch and you could like let your guard down and stuff some of it I was like maybe it could have been a little shorter mm. uh some of the I felt like I was kind of waiting for things to happen and progress but uh overall I'm glad I'm glad they made it glad it exists and We'll see we'll see what Ambo thinks once she uh once gets I check it out
0: it. yeah at some point I will I'm sure it'll be I'm sure it'll be just refreshing at the the very least to see somebody be willing to take on a subject matter like this which is just like rife for the picking when it comes to a comedy movie but nobody's willing to touch, you know.
1: Our girl Riley Gaines who we talked about today made a little cameo too so that was cool. Oh nice. Uh let's see Tobin Therone uh says Teach each their own Tobin Theron <laughs> <laughs> uh, says, I feel like we're in a real life, scary movie spin-off of Handmaid's Tale. That's that's layered.
0: I have not seen Handmaid's Tale, so I don't even know what that is about.
1: I know the premise, but I don't know the, yeah,
0: I'm so sorry. I'm I sure wish I, I could it. speak I more to your comments.
1: <laughs> uh, but thank you Tobin. Uh, RP Awareness Month says, I'm not going to lie, paying for some women's groceries is a complete hell. But <laughs> not, not, not only that, female entitlement has hit a new peak. Or not only that, but female entitlement has hit a new peak. When right? women say they don't want to be hit on, that means by brokies. Chad's, though, thumbs up.
0: <laughs> I guess it does. Yeah, I guess you brokies can't be broke and, and you can't be ugly, I guess, to hit on a woman, which is like so oh, it's just sad, man. I don't know. What, what a rough time. But Yeah. If if a man hit on me at the grocery store and then tried to pay for my groceries, I would be so creeped out. So the fact that there's a group of women that want that to happen is just astounding to me. And you will have some guys that that will try that. Some guys are, like, notorious for, like, going to gas stations and trying to pay for girls' gas. I've had that happen a few times in my life. But to me it's just so weird. So and I'm just like, no, I'm going to pay for my own gas and it, it becomes sort of like a transactional thing. What do you expect if you like pay for something for somebody the first time you meet them? To me, it's just so many layers of wrong and weird and you shouldn't expect that nor like want it in the first place.
1: No. And like generally speaking, unless it's like in a bar and you're the cherry stereotypical chat or whatever like approaching women where there, where there's sort of the overtone of this is me hitting on you Mm -hmm. is generally just not going to be a very successful thing. Uh, And I think there are ways to like seize opportunities that emerge organically in life, Mm -hmm. uh, even if you're not the best looking guy or whatever, but you can make, you can approach a woman without it being this, like I am hitting on you uh, vibe and make, make her laugh about something. And in very like, chill non-threatening way or whatever i know it's like easier said than done but sure. it's just i feel like it, if your mentality is always like i must approach women i must you know offer to pay for her gas or pay for her groceries like it's, it's just not going to ever be successful that way you've got to find a way to just like be natural and organic and maybe find a natural moment with someone who mm-hmm. uh, is quote unquote out of your league but yep. then that could lead to more so i don't you know, never just, know just trying to, someone said Taylor passing out the ribs to Riz tips. I'm, I don't know, I'm trying. I'm just not, yeah. not saying I'm an expert, Treat it but.
0: like a friendship. Treat it like a friend. And if, yeah. you know, if like if a woman it's is so- interested, for the most part, she's gonna make it clear. So like treat it, treat it as a low stakes encounter, so that yeah. you're not giving the vibe that the stakes are high. As soon as a man is trying to like pay for something for you. The stakes are high at that point you know if you accept the payment that means like you're you're interested in some way or you want you expect something to happen it's just weird i don't know and you know this woman would probably the one from the video would probably take the payment for groceries and never call call you again so it's just mm-hmm. uh it's just like throwing money in the toilet at this point
1: there's something to be said for that that mentality like treat it like it's low stakes like yeah even with the, the podcast and the show sometimes we're like like this today, we were like, what are we going to talk about? No one's going to care about this Billy Eilish story, blah, right. blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, let's just be chill. We, we love the audience. They love us. Like, let's just interact with them. And I have to tell myself that a lot because the more I think like, oh, my God, all these people are watching and I have to say something smart, <laughs> the, the the worse I sound and the dumber, the more I fall over sure. myself. But whenever the more chill you are, the better you come off. So. Uh, yeah anyways. and
0: women like that energy too women don't like a, like a high stakes type of thing that's going on like oh my gosh like this entire conversation is like hinging on what how i respond and what i do i think women do love a little bit of energy like oh he could go without me in this moment and he's just choosing to say you know hi or crack a joke or whatever easier said than done of course of course dude i was watching i gotta what do go you ahead. say
1: I was going to say, I got to shout out Yama in the chat. She said, Taylor reading my comment, hundred percent boosted our parasocial relationship. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I'll read your comments if they're clever, buddy. Like
0: that is so funny. (laughs) Yeah. I was watching a video recently about incels. It was like a 10 minute kind of like Vox style documentary. And you see these guys and they're like wearing masks to meet up with this woman. And this is the first time that they're talking to a real woman who is not a family member. And these are, they don't look unfit, like, they're generally, like, fit-bodied guys, they're not huge or anything, or, like, you know, you you obviously can't see their face, so you don't know what they look like, but they're all just, like, "Mm, no woman's ever gonna talk to me, and they're never gonna be attracted to me, and, you know, they're never gonna wanna be friends at the, let alone do anything else, and a through line was, like, they've never even had physical touch with a woman in, in an even platonic way, like hugging a female friend, holding the hand of a female friend, like shaking hands of a, a female, and that blows my mind. How that translates to when these like young men grow up and get into adulthood is a little scary to think about because you have to think about how important human connection is, even just like on a platonic fl- friendship level. That's a really important thing, and I think you can fall into a really big pit of despair if you don't get that connection be it platonic or romantic but i'm seeing these guys and i'm like i don't know what your face looks like so i don't i don't know how you're going to be perceived but you seem pretty normal like you could just go out and have a low stakes conversation with other people and it would go fine you know (laughs) like i don't know
1: join a book club or a freaking cooking class or something and eat Engage with females who you don't find attractive even and just yeah. break your ice a little bit. Speak yeah. to other human beings. Just explore that. Be authentic. Like people will be, you know, your, your self-confidence will, will grow. But mm-hmm. when you like box yourself in and, and you psych yourself out in that way, like just start small, incremental yep. steps. Yep uh okay the Z- 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 ac says the je ne sais quoi line has me rolling on the floor been watching a while and i love how you find the humor in these topics yeah. love from the uk
0: it's generally it's genuinely me not just not knowing what to say i don't know how my brain works so sometimes my boyfriend says i talk like too fast or whatever and my i just keep going and moving which is exactly what i do because like michael scott i will start a sentence and i have no idea <laughs> how the sentence is going to end so i'll just find myself feeling in just random things that i think of as i'm saying the sentence out loud which i imagine is what most people do or are you are you a think through your thought type of person before you say it or are you thinking of the thought as you say it type of person yeah.
1: well <laughs> on this show i am usually while you're talking i'm like trying to think of something smart to say <laughs> uh-huh. and and then so i'll have like a complete thought and then you'll usually say it oh no whatever i was thinking that Sorry. i was like oh that'd be a good point and she she Jesus, it comes to you uh, uh, but i do better honestly like i said before like when i chill out and i'm not trying to like pre-plan a little statement and just kind of go off the cuff but it takes more courage i think to speak extemporaneously sure as you kind of have to like trust yourself but it's way more natural and real when you do gotcha so, uh, okay zh says a man offered to buy my groceries the other day physically i'm not who people would expect to get that offer but femininity does wonders.
0: Yeah, would you it's like would you would you take them up on that uh, For me it's a weird thing to do. I I can get why some men would do it and like a lot of men think it's like a flex to to pay for somebody's groceries. Uh for me personally I'm like if you don't if I don't know you it's just a weird thing to just like get out of the gate and I'm immediately wondering what are you viewing this transaction as because it is quite literally a transaction with the intent of creating something else I'm just like "Uh, does this work for you typically how many women are you doing this to like if you are trying to pay for my groceries the first time I'm meeting you how many other people have you tried this on has it worked if so to what extent like what made you think that this is like the go-to way to to achieve success I just want to yeah. sit and interview them at that point. It's like, "Hey, you want to be on my podcast?" <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to sleep with you, but do you want to be on my podcast? I'm
1: doing a show on incels. Do you want to wear a mask and come on? <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, let's see. Joel Ellis says social media definitely focuses more on the extreme and more on the dramatic. That is mainly what is viral. It's right. not a realistic sample of mo- most people.
0: Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. as And I think as social media progresses, the threshold for getting viral is going to be higher and higher and higher. So you have to get more ridiculous. Uh, I saw somebody the other day saying, like, you remember when. You went viral on the internet and that got you on the Ellen show. Like, you got like three million views on a video and suddenly (laughs) you were on Ellen. Now you get three million views on a video. It's just like, oh, yeah, you're just like every other person on the internet who has ever created a piece of content. So, you know, like, welcome to the club, I guess. So that shows how saturated videos are on the internet. Crazy. And of course, you have to get more and more extreme to go viral. Who knows where this goes?
1: I go back and forth. Like, it's, you know, we live in this social media saturated age. Mm-hmm. Do you despair of being alive this time? Would you rather have been alive like in the right. 70s or 90, 80s, right before the internet came on? It's an interesting thought experiment. Yeah. It's, of, it's always hard to say you'd rather be alive different during a different of time with modern technology and medicine and yeah. you're actually living life in this time. but
0: And you no, live longer and yet yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. And yeah, it's just hard. It's hard to think about. I, I don't know. I don't know if there's a time I'd rather be in. It's just so hard to like do the thought experiment itself.
1: Yeah. Let us know what you guys think in the chat. Though. Yeah. Drop it down. Uh, what
0: decade?
1: Drop your favorite decade. <laughs> 15 tens. <laughs> uh, RP Awareness Month says, Amala, I think you have a banger of a documentary on your hands. If you did, it did it on current dating dynamics. A hundred women for one date. I'm sure it's way more.
0: You're sure it's way more. Oh gosh, I just don't know how I'd get down to the bottom of that. I think that's beyond my, uh, beyond my comprehension slash field of view to get all to compile all that information together. But I do hope that somebody is is working on it somewhere. Maybe we can do it on like a smaller scale. That sort of that sort of idea.
1: Yeah, I think you just gotta like pick your little narrative or the string of commentary you want to make, and right. Uh, Posit some ideas, but to do something exhaustive would be impossible. And you
0: I think it's over a hundred women. Oh my gosh. I would have to figure out, I really want to figure out a number on that. How many women do you have to approach as an average guy to get one date?
1: Average guy is the biggest, like, you know, average the guy variance is going to be huge from like certain guys to, other
0: right. Guys, you know? I want to lop off. Like if we're going to categorize men or whatever, I want to lop off the eight to tens or whatever, and just keep mm-hmm. them in a separate category. I want the average guy. How difficult is it to get a date based on, and I don't know how you would like exactly do the study on that. Or maybe you just have to get a group of a hundred women together and show them like a bunch of different profiles or have them meet a bunch of different guys and say yes or no. And, See what their averages are.
1: Yeah, we gotta get the, the Tinder days. data or the Bumble data.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out.
1: Uh, Desi Cregan says, "Hi, Amala. Thanks for all the content you do. I came across you a few months back, and I'm, am loving it. Glad I oh. got to catch, glad I got to catch <laughs> a live show." All the way from ireland another ireland
0: today. awesome another ireland today thank you so much for watching and i'm glad you catch the live too hopefully it's a it's a fun vibe on the lives being here in, in in real
1: time i'm curious from like normal irish people what's going on with this whole situation y'all have with like the street protests and all that and conor mcgregor today was like if I ran for president, who would you vote for? And he put it out. Like, of course his followers were like, Oh yeah. So many people were were like, yeah, do it, do it, do it. But like what's going on with Conor McGregor? Is he seriously like trying to do a political run in Ireland or what? How big of a, like, is he as big as it gets in Ireland or is he kind of just like, Oh, he's this kind of wacko that went over to America and did this stuff. Like I'm very curious from an Irish perspective about all that. Very
0: curious as well. Y'all know, I don't like Conor (laughs) McGregor, but please give me your thoughts. (laughs)
1: Uh, Hayden Dawson says, it's really weird how women are saying that men need to do these things and spend all this money and society says it's acceptable, but when a man dot dot dot. Oh, but when a man says his preferences on what women should do, he's sexist. I hope the context makes sense. I'm not trying to come off as sexist here.
0: No, it does make a complete and utter sense. Sometimes it's a one-way street for certain types of people, and they love to talk about what they can get from men, but they don't want to hear it in the other way around. And sometimes there are men who do exactly that too, so we don't want to leave them out of the conversation. But yeah, this just like one-sided, black-and-white view towards dating, what do you bring to the table? What transactions can I get away with in this relationship? It Just, it's tiring. Really is just find somebody who you love, and you. I can guarantee you, you won't be thinking about the transactional nature of your relationship.
1: Yeah, uh, Kai Adam says, as a gay man, I'm told I need to be left leaning. Uh, although I love your content, and it's open. I've opened my oh through your content, I've opened my views. it's very refreshing to see these conversations being had in such an open way, sending love from Australia.
0: Very cool. Yeah, don't listen to the people who, who tell you you have to think a certain way based on some identity characteristic that means nothing. It's like, cool, you like dudes. Can we move on? Let's talk about the weather or talk about what else you got going on in life or what's important to you because they are far separated from one another. And how we got this far, really, the more I think about it, the more it just astounds me that we decided that if you like a certain group of people or if you like to like get with dudes that means that you have to think this about every other issue the world is facing we are just such simple-minded creatures if you really think about it and you really have to work hard to break out of that patterned thinking
1: Yes, indeed. Uh, Ichiyamoto says, I just want someone who'd always stay by my side and never give up. Life is hard. We have to make it work constantly, not just when it's difficult.
0: Yeah, that's true. You want you want to find that partner that like when you're hitting the rocks, they are right there with you and they say we're going to get through whatever's happening right now and make it to the other side of it. And it's not the easiest thing to find because I think people's understanding of love is so skewed. The amount of women that I see saying, you know, love needs to be perfect and if you don't constantly have a spark and if he's not constantly Prince Charming, he's not the one for you. It's like, baby girl, that is not what life looks like. That is not what life feels like. It never has. So I don't know where we got this idea that that is what love is. You should be wanting a love that like through the hardest of times when you like are both in the trenches a bit. You're, you're just saying, okay, we're going to get through this and we're going to stick together. Simple 100%. as that.
1: Uh, Joy says, thanks for being my parasocial relationship Taylor and <laughs> <laughs> well, You're welcome. <laughs> Happy to oblige. Happy to oblige. We're here for That's you guys. Awesome. No, we're glad you're here. Glad you're hanging out with yeah, us.
0: Yeah, I love that.
1: Uh, Delia Girl says, also finally checked out the 1975
0: and I'm a fan. Wow. Oh, we're converting we're converting people i do love the 1975 guys hopefully that's not a deal breaker in our parasocial relationship
1: <laughs> uh christopher alcine says healing circles sound like voodoo ceremonies without the drums you guys should do a gay dating podcast with amir odom a gay dating White.
0: podcast so that would create a lot of uh,
1: requests and commentary yeah into this.
0: there was a lot of requests in there yeah healing circles are strange i don't know if i would like them to voodoo but they i mean i'm, I'm sure they share some some elements much like they share elements with sp- some things christians do and stuff like that uh but yeah i don't know we've thought about doing a dating show on this podcast because we're so often talking about dating and this trouble the struggle to create connections and how can we do that uh i think it would be Really, really fun. And maybe we'll have some projects in the future that have to do with dating that aren't necessarily on this channel. Who knows? Ooh.
1: That sounds so interesting. Mm-hmm. What a interesting
0: and cryptic. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: let's see. Reddit, Reddit sex defender says in South Korea, the dating landscape is such a mess and the birth decline so high for every 100 people. There will be four grandkids. That's where the USA slowly Whoa, goes. Oh,
0: that's crazy. For every hundred people, four grandkids. I need to look up look that up. That astounds that's me.
1: Wild.
0: That actually blows my mind.
1: That but for that to trace back to the dating landscape is mm-hmm. a crazy thought as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, look but. at our numbers. Staggering.
1: Uh Jesse Guzman says, I Love you guys so much. Been watching since early 2022 and my mindset has evolved ever since you all came into my life. I wish you guys nothing but the best. Oh. Also, I have a big gay crush on Taylor.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You know what? Bound to happen. What did we say? Parasocial relationships, baby.
1: <laughs> Paris, yes, parasocial something. Yeah. Oh well. Thanks, oh thank you.
0: You're uh, you're you're welcome here. Uh, thanks for watching.
1: I have noticed I've had an odd number of uh, like likes on my Instagram Posts like even innocuous right. posts from what appear to be gay men so
0: you know what uh, if you're you know what? it's bound to happen man man woman if you're on the internet people are bound to take a liking <laughs> to you
1: Um you don't understand what it's like to be treated as a piece of meat okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, just no, oh, Hey, as long so as the funny. ideas are getting out there right <laughs> there you go uh, Celtic Blacksmith says I missed most of today's episode. I'm helping a friend on Wednesday, and I have a date Friday. I think she'd want to okay. watch your show for our date. Lol.
0: Oh wow! You know what? Let us know if
1: you do that. That'd be really <laughs> that interesting. would be
0: hilarious. I've uh, first of all, I commend you for doing life you sound like you're doing life and that's awesome uh i had this girl walk up to me at a coffee shop and she like leaned over and whispered in my ear i really like your show and she's like i really it's it's so nice to meet you she's like the reason i'm whispering is that i'm on a date and i have no idea how he feels about like your set of ideas and what you do so hopefully we'll get to that and then she like walked away before the date came back and saw her talking to me so shout out to that girl Hopefully it worked out and the guy was cool uh, with your your thought process and your worldview. But it's just so crazy that you have to like whisper. <laughs> you have to whisper that to people now.
1: Which you shouldn't. I mean, it's probably a good litmus test. Right. If you show them some of uh, our content, Omelette's content, and if they are very right triggered by it. I mean, are we really that triggering? She
0: should have oh, let no. me sit in on the date, to be honest.
1: Yes, that would be... <laughs> There's a there's a content series.
0: There's a content series. I sit in on your guys' <laughs> dates, and then I decide at the end whether or not you go on a second date. And if I decide you should, I'll pay for it.
1: <laughs> hmm. I love that. All expense like paid. But in real life, exactly. <laughs> the Taylor Fan Club says, "Do you have any parasocial relationships? Oh, quote. Do you have any parasocial relationships with influencers, celebs, or podcasters? I'm gonna go ahead and say yeah." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think I did that in a in a chat um, Hilarious poll, so. it's
0: Taylor's fan club, I think they I do I think that's yeah. true
1: Kind of not very self-aware to ask y'all that <laughs> On in on a live poll On our podcast <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any parasocial relationships with podcasts? Wink, <laughs> <link, link. laughs> uh, Gee,
0: who could it be? I'm trying to think of my worst one Like what is my biggest parasocial relationship, like who's somebody On the internet that I'm like there for, I'll think about it for a little bit And I'll get back to you guys on that one it most definitely exists.
1: I don't know. Uh, it It'll might not. have been like for me, like a Jordan Peterson for a while. Okay. out on that.
0: Yeah, fair um, enough. Um, Mine, who, who is it? Okay. I'm either going to think something from the 1975, like Matty Healy. I don't like follow him actively or like look at what he's posting on social media or anything that day. But if there's ever like a controversy, I'm like, ah, oh, what's going on now? What do you say? And then there's that. Um, I'm trying to think of like influencers. There's... One, y'all remember, like, Nash Greer of of MagCon descent when MagCon used to be a thing? Do you know what MagCon uh, is, Taylor?
1: No, any of <laughs> Okay.
0: No. So back when, like, Vine was huge, there used to be these guys who were, like, Vine boys or whatever. And they were super famous among teenage girls for simply being attractive and, like, making Vines. And they created this thing called MagCon where they would, like, get together and meet the their fans. And it was, like, a whole thing. These were, like, the influencers before we had the influencers that we have now or whatever. Nash Greer was one of those MadCon guys. I didn't really follow him through his MadCon stuff or whatever. But now he's like a family man, has two kids, like bought this house in California, has like a chicken coop that he's building and stuff like that. He's one that like if if you post him and his wife and like their family life on YouTube, I will watch uh, their videos and see what they're up to. But I just feel to me it. When you're doing it, when you're watching somebody's life and you're watching like them set up their house or their chicken coop or whatever, it doesn't feel weird. But when you talk about it, it feels it feels fucking weird. (laughs) It feels (laughs) so weird that like I'm watching this family that I have. I know nothing about. I do not know them, but I watch like their their family videos on YouTube. Really strange.
1: Which it's funny because you've talked about doing like lifestyle content as well. Right. Like. I think that's a cool idea. Do you like? Do you think it's a cool idea? But do you feel in some way that that's like enabling people to have yes. social relationships with you? I and mean, yes. Does that make it weird for you to think about?
0: Yes. Every time I get, honestly, there is a small sliver of my mind every time I'm on the internet that I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm stealing somebody's time a little bit. Like if you, as you guys are watching this show, I'm like, I, I hope you guys are doing things while you're watching this show because <laughs> I don't want you to be like just sitting and listening to me because I feel like, I, by virtue of being here, am stealing part of your time, which is, we hope, is to refresh you a little bit, share some ideas that you don't get to share anywhere else, hopefully, keep you up to date on some of the things that are happening on the internet and what people are talking about, and to like share fresh ideas that hopefully reinvigorate your view towards life and, you know, make you think about things a little bit. So I hope there's a bit of a trade off there, but also please do things. (laughs) Please live life.
1: Yes. Listen to us and support us, but also live life. <laughs> uh, Sarah Dell says, Amala, what is your go-to coffee order? I'm a barista, and it tells a lot about people. And you too, Taylor, don't want to leave uh, you out.
0: I'm about to tell you a whole lot because I don't drink coffee uh, and, and probably never will, although there's room for the palate to change. I'm a tea girl through and through, and it's typically a London fog, which my iteration of the London fog is Earl Grey, black tea, with almond milk, since I do not drink from the cow's teat, and uh vanilla and cinnamon—that's my oh. typical tea, tea order. Or a matcha—I love matcha. So,
1: yes, I remember you were big into the matcha lattes yeah. for for a minute there. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love me some cow's teat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I drink normal milk like normal people. Yeah, like normal yeah. people.
0: Come on now.
1: <laughs> Uh, and uh, but I'm very much like mood dependent and seasonal, like in the, in the summer, I like cold brews, like, like, uh, the chocolate cream cold brew or just straight up cold brew. Um, now I have an espresso machine at home. So most mornings I make an Americano, uh, but I just got eggnog cause I like eggnog lattes in the winter time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also got stuff to make like peppermint mocha stuff. So I, worked at Starbucks as one of my first jobs. Oh, so, nice. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm well, now but you have to tell time us black coffee.
0: What does that tell us? What does that tell you about us? Put that in the chat down yeah. below. Let me know. Do the personality analysis like astrology, but
1: for drinks. <laughs> uh spaces says i've never read i say never read books before watching the visual adaptation you're bound to be disappointed from the difference in the lack of details
0: you know what i i that is one way to view it and i think there there is something to be said for that but i the reason i like it i kind of make a positive turn on it i love to see what a like a film-based mind would create out of something that I've read. Because when you read something, you create your own visions or whatever, but you're not thinking about translating that into a film that somebody's going to watch. And for me, I can read a book, and you get all the time in the world to read a book. As an author, you get all the pages in the world to write a book, and that's a cool thing, although there are some constraints but with a movie, it's like you get a certain set of time. I think for The of Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, it was two hours and 40 minutes. But they have another cut of that film that's like four hours long. So to think about the process of like trying to translate the book to film and acting and a, you know, a stage and a set and then have to chop it up and make it still make sense while holding the key themes is such an interesting process. And I love having read the book and then watching the film and getting somebody else's vision of what they felt was most important to translate to the screen and what they felt were details that could be left out or needed to be focused on so that's cool i always view it as like a positive thing it doesn't detract from uh my my vision or my experience it actually just paints it in a different in a different light
1: yeah i think that's i agree with that so long as you're not clearly like adapting the source material to your own purposes right like Peter Jackson famously said in an interview ahead of the Lord of the Rings movies releases that he's like the way that we chose to 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 honor Tolkien is by putting his messages in the film rather than our own and mm-hmm. I think that that's from a filmmaker what you want to hear especially when it's like a cherished IP which is why I'm a little concerned about like Greta Gerwig's adaptation of the Chronicles of Narnia that's coming forward because yeah I don't know that I necessarily trust her to have that purist mentality, especially for something that, like, as a Christian person, C.S. Lewis wrote those, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, as clearly, like, an allegory for Christianity, and so I don't know where Greta Gerwig's coming from, from her faith perspective, but, like, mm-hmm. are you, do you really get it, and do you really get, like, the essence of it? Are you going to capture that and translate that and give a generation, uh, the C.S. Lewis story uh, that's true to what he intended it to be? That's where I'm like, it yeah. eh, scares me a little bit, um, but that's also like more of a a morally deep and loaded sort of uh, franchise as is Lord of the Rings for more like, um, you know, just entertainment purpose things. I, I think it's less important. But uh, yeah, anyways, you have to set yourself
0: aside about. if you're going to adapt somebody else's work and you have to right. really say, like, I am now just like. A, not a pawn because it has a negative connotation, but like a pawn to for your vision. Like I'm just the creative person who's going to allow what you meant to have show up visually show up. And if you don't have that mindset and you're like, how can I put my agenda or how can I adapt, adapt this for a modern audience? It really doesn't. It really ruins it.
1: Right. Just make your own thing at that point. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Marlon Shinoda just sends a super chat. No message. Thank you. Thank you. And not. This is Nati- Nataliha Smirnova says, uh, Amalyn Taylor, since you do reactions, could you do one all YouTubers do to Kingdom by Devin Townsend? Show real talent to your audience, not TS.
0: Kingdom. What is that? I'll have to look it up. I'll get back to you.
1: Kingdom by Devin Townsend. I haven't heard of that.
0: It sounds like a song, which I don't want to get as copyright claimed, but I will look uh, into it.
1: Okay. Frank Mahon says, Emma Phobic? E-M-M-A.
0: I, um, apparently, I've been watch, watching the chat. So people keep responding to some girl named Emma who is apparently in the chat. I have no idea who Emma is. Uh, but you guys have been going through your own squabble back and forth with whoever this Emma character is. So I'm glad you guys are having fun. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> yeah, it's productive. Been,
1: I've seen stuff about Shrek and uh, just all kinds of stuff going on in the chat. I'm trying to keep up with you guys, but it's it's but kind I, of a lot. But I do you not know uh, Emma. Jillian H says, so excited to finally catch part of a live. Just wanted to say, uh, I'm so happy to see you be, quote unquote, politically homeless, going independent and having nuanced takes on each individual issue is the way to go.
0: Yeah, we completely agree. And that was like a big driving force in us doing exactly that. It's just like we can we can come to the table and just be nuanced as each issue comes up and as more things come to the table. And that's that's a good place to be because it does make. Everybody at least feel comfortable. Even if you disagree with us, you're at least comfortable to come and enjoy the conversation and uh, go back and forth.
1: Yeah, and I'd say like for the you've kind of been on the more independent, free thinking side of things. Yeah, always. Get-go. Yeah. Yeah
0: always I, cause I remember when I first started at pray for you, everybody was like, she's such a soft conservative, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, dude, <laughs> I, I've, my views have not changed. My views have stayed uh, the exact same. Obviously they've changed from when I was like a, you know, a, a super leftist, but they haven't changed really since then.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to their credit, I don't think you really pushed us to, or you to say much that you disagreed with, but when they yeah. did, you were like, no, yeah, <laughs> so exactly. It worked out. Uh, Jasmine F. said, uh, I recently met a mom friend using an app, which is like Tinder for moms. We got talking and realized we both watch you. Uh, fair oh, to say we instantly became friends.
0: That is so cool. That is so awesome. When I That's think like about,
1: parasocial becomes real social.
0: Yes. I <laughs> love that more than anything. When your love for this show can translate to like a real life relationship, that is the bee's knees. Okay. Love that for you. Uh, and that that is just that's so awesome. Very very cool. Tell her I say hi.
1: <laughs> Be cool, uh, Jillian H. Again says. Also, just want to say, as an elder Gen Z born in ninety seven, I love the dynamic between the two of you. As I relate more with Amala on some things and Taylor on others, always love the Lord of the Rings references. Haha.
0: <laughs> yeah. See, we got it. We were bridging. Same. We're bridging the divide on this <laughs> show. The generational divide. <laughs>
1: Uh, Marlon Shinoda again says, Hi, Amalyn Taylor. I'm from Cabo Verde, Africa, and love your content. I watch your content every day before I go to work. Keep up the good work.
0: That's awesome. Thank you. And what an interesting place. So cool. We love to be part of your lives.
1: Fascinating. I want to like go read the Wikipedia about Cabo Verde. Yeah, it's just like I want to visit
0: every single place where we have a viewer. Uh (laughs) Just be there for a day.
1: Uh, Celtic blacksmith Amal, I forgot to mention I won't be worried uh, about mailing any of my work to you till I heal. Sort of maimed my finger with an angle grinder. Oh no! Ugh.
0: I don't know what that is, but it sounds awful. Ugh! Gosh. Well, I hope you get better in soon.
1: Yeah, hope you can sew that back on and Yikes. get back into. Yeah, let's
0: get you reattached, buddy. blacksmithing shape. Yeah. Ow!
1: Gosh. Uh. But yeah, no, no pressure to get us any no. cool cast iron <laughs> None at all. In the meantime, Esther says, hi, I'm Lynn Taylor. Glad to have you guys as number one on my Spotify wrapped podcast. Yeah, yeah, The best duo podcast in 2023. Keep up the good work. Love from the UK
0: love that yeah I've, I've been enjoying you guys posting your your spotify wrapped and tagging me and stuff being able to see them and share them I uh, greatly appreciate each and every one of you that is listening on whatever platform you're on thank you guys so so much
1: yeah that's awesome thank you Esther. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of love from the uk ireland today yeah no fins where the fins at
0: where the fins at where the fins <laughs> at
1: kate spenson just sends a super chat no message thank you thank kate. you W98D says, "Hi, I'm 17. Hi from Italy. Uh, I do have oh. two female friends, and the only girl I liked that I knew, who I even became a buff guy for, tuned out. Turned out to be a crazy leftist.
0: Ah, uh, you, well, you dodged
1: a bullet. There you go. And your buff. Yeah, so, and
0: your buff. Dude, I mean, and your jacks." <laughs> That's going to do you far better in life than it is to date a crazy leftist. So, you know, a win is a win.
1: (laughs) Still leveled up, still came out with a W.
0: Yeah, dude, I there's like there's it is not to be understated how much you can change your life with physical fitness, Uh, whether it's going to change you mentally with your health. It's going to change the way that people perceive you. And it's it's some it's interesting because it's something that everybody is capable of doing, but not everybody chooses to do. And it immediately can like just benefit you in so many different ways. So that is a win to me. And I'm good that's luck safe. out there in the dating in the dating
1: world. And you're seventeen, like yeah, you got time, that's, buddy. That's young. You got plenty of time. to so yeah. Figure out who you are. Level up. Enjoy life. Don't pressure yourself with right. the girl stuff yet. Yeah. hmm uh, Kate Spenson again says I'm autistic and blurred out whatever LOL meant to say so with my first super chat oh well thanks Kate
0: hey you know what thanks. I find that very charming uh you know there was what did I see it reminds me of something oh the the incel video that I watched not that I'm calling you an incel one of them was like I said wearing the guy Fox mask uh, which for those of you who don't know what that that mask is uh, I'll show you guy Fox uh, do, do, do 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 this this little... Dude, right here, um, and he's talking about how like I'm not attractive, I'm autistic or whatever, and I'm like, you know what? A lot of I think there are a lot of girls that would find that very, very charming. You just have to really get out there uh, and and talk to people. I'm like, you know what? I could spark up a conversation about V for Vendetta with that mask that you have on, but you're never gonna. It's never gonna happen because you won't go and talk to talk to a female. I'm sure there's a lot to be had. And you know what? you know, a lot of people with autism have like the most vast knowledge about certain things. And it's just so interesting to, to hear about it and talk to people who are like that and who are sort of uninhibited when it comes to the way that they speak. Like when you mentioned blurting things out, I could see how some people might be taken aback by that. But I think that's a cool thing that you don't have like that barrier to speech that a lot of people, that a lot of people have. I wish I had that.
1: Yeah. So we're glad you're here. Just Feel free to blurt out whatever's on your mind. Go for it.
0: Go for it, guys.
1: Uh, Um, the F69 says, love you so much, Amala. I'm a black gay man in San Francisco, and your channel has helped shape my views so much. I plan to make content soon and hope to connect in the future.
0: Love that for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I love hearing from just all the people of like just different backgrounds and different life experiences who managed to find their way to this channel. So, so very cool.
1: Yeah, and we're glad we got some some reasonable folks holding it down in San Francisco. Yeah. They need all the the chill people they could get there. Much needed. There. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephanie Tam says, I pay for a man's groceries all the time. Uh, it would probably be more of a flex if I wasn't using his paycheck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Reminder, smash the like button. Oh,
0: <laughs> I love That's that. Funny. Yeah, use your man's paycheck, but say you paid for groceries. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I always see, like, these videos where it's, like, uh, me flexing because I paid for my man's coffee this morning, even though he pays for literally every other expense we have in our lives. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) I did this cute thing for you, bought this $5 coffee for you. That's how I I feel most of the time.
1: Yeah, we kind of use my wife's card for, like, all of our travel and going out to eat and stuff like that, like gifts or whatever. Yeah mine like i just get to pay all the bills um so right that's fun i feel like my uh,
0: my relationship is just like okay my money is your money your money is my money it's all in one big spot yeah it's just like yeah whatever whatever
1: uh let's see alex says i'm a left-leaning moderate and tune into your show regularly have you ever considered hosting normal people on your show to debate with you
0: You know, know, I'm open to it. I think it would be a a cool thing to do. We always have like a long list of ideas that are floating around for what to do for the show. But yeah, I'm always open to going back and forth.
1: Mm -hmm. And even not even debate, just conversation would be cool. Right. We prefer to approach conversation with people that we disagree with as a conversation and less about like trying to win. Right. Because it's not really about winning. It's about. Exploring different viewpoints and making sure that they're understood and right. Seeing where you land and, and deciding if you want to change your mind if a better case is made or whatever. But yeah. anyways, like we had Destiny on. I thought that was a really fruitful. Uh,
0: yeah, I just went back discussion. and forth and just shared some shared stuff about like our upbringings, what experiences led you to have a certain set of beliefs. I think that's far more productive and humanizing than like let's debate X, Y, Z. Totally. Yeah.
1: Uh, getting toward the end here. Thank y'all for sticking with us, and yeah, appreciate to, uh y'all. Stephanie's point, thanks for helping us out with the like button. Looks like we got a bunch of likes today, over 1,300 as it stands. Thank so y'all. Appreciate y'all for helping out the algorithm, whatever that does. <laughs> we know it's a good thing. <laughs> right. Uh, Celtic blacksmith again says, Taylor, don't let Amala tease you about your drip with the gays. <laughs> she has no hey. idea what us men have to do to look b- beautiful, homie. Lmao. Also, hey, this girl is no a Matt Balsh slash Michael Knowles fan. Green flag.
0: <laughs> no teasing on, on my part. Hey, a crush is a crush. A win is a win. No not matter who it comes <laughs> from.
1: <laughs> I guess uh, I'm, Yeah, not sure what to say about all of that. But uh, our last super chat today is Frank Mayen bailing me out here because I thought that was going to be the last one. It was going to be... <laughs> <laughs>
0: Taylor's just That's like, a- um, I'm, I... <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, Uh, Frank says, please help. I punched my girlfriend in the face this morning because she broke my Xbox. I feel bad. How can I make it up to her? I hope that's a joke. I do hope
0: that's a joke. Uh, You can make it up to her by swiftly leaving the relationship and leaving her alone. I think that would be... Turning yourself into the police. Yeah, turning yourself into the police uh, restraining order expeditiously, my friend. And if your girlfriend is listening, get the hell out of there. If you... (laughs) <laughs> that seems that like was a, a very, joke, not str- very funny. Yeah. If it was a joke, but, uh, hell. Hello, Matt Reif. <laughs> I, yeah. Matt Reif's chilling in the comments today. <laughs> um, no, but that,
1: yeah. I, I, and yeah, maybe get anger management therapy as well. Yeah. That's and probably. Something yeah. To consider. And this
0: woman. Not the one for you, mate. <laughs> Not the one for you, guys. Start,
1: start with a clean slate once you get into healthier. Spot. <laughs> yeah. anyway, sorry, but, but I guess thanks for bailing me out on the uh, the gay crush question, even though I probably would have rather ended on that. Actually, yeah, so.
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, guys, what an interesting note to uh, end the show on. Thank you so much for watching. We hope you enjoyed your time here today. If you did, like subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified every single time we're live or every single time we post a video for you guys. We are live Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Central, no, 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern, plus we post videos for you guys every single day. So tomorrow's video is going to be about black-owned businesses being elevated above others. Of course, I have a lot to say about that, so you'll be able to check that out. And with that being said, Hope you have a fantastic rest of your Monday. Hope you're out there living life. Hope your parasocial relationships are becoming secondary. (laughs) And with that, I'm going to bid you adieu. Bye, guys.